Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Malcast. This is episode number 27. I am back after a week off in the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, sorry about that little delay there. Uh, YouTube's being a little uh, uncooperative with Streamlabs, so took a little while, but uh, found a workaround, and here we are. So tonight, we're going to talk about some events that happened last week, including our dear leader's uh, first foray over into Europe as President of the United States. There was the G7 Summit, as well as a one-on-one -on -one meeting with uh, President Vladimir Putin of Russia. So, with us tonight, we have Reggie, currently sleeping in the bed. We have Mike, thank you for coming. What's up? And Jess. So... I'm just going to finish the cat camera there because the intro's over. Okay. Hello. It's not actually Reggie. It's me. I'm back. I'm no longer producing, so we're going to have I'm good call. I'm leaving now. Uh, okay. All right. That's fine. Things, things are going to go well tonight. So before we get started, uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and throw them in the chat, both on Twitch and on YouTube. Also, um, we're getting reports that YouTube is not live. Yeah. Okay. That sucks. Well, I tried to make a workaround, but... We couldn't get it last time either. Yeah. yeah, we're getting we're getting an error. I don't know. Anyway, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. Out. Um, we'll just upload the vod to YouTube right after. Yes, we uh, will. In the meantime, however, oh, if you uh, want, if you normally watch on YouTube but you cannot access YouTube because YouTube is being a little bitch, go over to Twitch.tv, uh, search for Nightmare Media, all one word. We are on there as well, and we are actually live on Twitch. I can confirm that. So. Head over there and uh, give us a watch, a follow, what have you. So, jumping into tonight's topic, Patrick, why don't you tell us a little bit yeah. about what the G7 is, and we'll talk about what uh, what they what they talked about and what we think about it. Yeah, but before we do that, I just wanted to reiterate for those of you guys who missed last week's episodes, uh, Jess will be with us full time. Uh, you know, we were getting a couple. I don't want to say necessary complaints, but we we're getting some feedback that was a little bit on the on the critical end, uh, which is totally fine. Yeah, it's not a problem. But uh, so we decided that we wanted to get another opinion because we felt like it was a little bit too one-sided here at on Malcast. So we decided to bring in someone that's a little bit to the right of Genghis Khan. So we brought on Jess. But then we got feedback on that as well because you know nobody's ever going to be pleased. So we brought in a, a far leftist Mike here. So. We'll have we'll have both sides represented, so no worries on that. Actually, I'm I'm representing the people who are more libertarian than uh, Milton Friedman. So on the left, that's though. me. Yeah. So like, yeah, he's also, <laughs> Mike is also gay. I am an extremist um, libertarian. Yeah, extremely gay. So just FYI double gay. Double yeah. gay. Some might say it's double. Female fiance. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Patrick, why don't you get us into the topic? Yeah, I just I just wanted to introduce everybody for those of you guys who are unfamiliar. But yeah, Mike will be on here as often as he can as well. Um, just to balance this out, like I said. So <laughs> G7. Uh, so the G7 is shorthand for the Group of Seven, which is an intergovernmental political forum that like has Canada. Group. What? It sounds like a super villain group. It is. Uh, let me, it is. Uh, you know. You being a leftist, you'll definitely think it is. It depends. Um, on, it depends on uh, whether or not you're China. Yes. Well, yeah. no, not not anymore. Uh, now with Biden in control, but whatever. Uh, so, it's an intergovernmental political forum consisting of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Up until 2014, it also had Russia, but Russia got kicked out because of the Crimea issue. In 2018, Trump was, I believe, it was 2018. It could have been. Yeah, no, it was, it was 2018. In 2018, sorry. Uh, Trump uh, was trying to get Russia back into the G7, G8, when Russia is involved. But that's so far been unsuccessful, which uh, is a contributing reason as to why uh, Biden went to go see him, uh, see Vladimir Putin, rather, after after the G7 meeting. But <clears throat> the group is the lar world's largest IMF advanced economies and the wealthiest liberal democracies in the world. It is also... Uh, organized so, around their what so supervillains yeah so supervillains. I'm, I'm not done yet given the supervillain reasons oh uh, no it's officially organized around shared shared values of pluralism and representative government and 
as of 2018, the stats say that it accounts for 60% of the global net wealth, which is 317 trillion, 32 to 46% of glo global gross domestic product, and about 10% of the world's population. So this is, you know, you always hear the Bernie Sanders, the 1%. This is the 1% here, and in effect. Um, hopefully my audio is working well, because I was having some issues for the past week with, with audio problems, but... No, your audio is uh, fine. Well, and fine. another thing to point out about the G7 as well, uh, there's a, the reason that the organization was formed was because, again, these were the most advanced economies in the world. The question that the G7 was formed to answer was how can these wealthiest economies use their wealth to better the world, essentially? So, G yeah, well, on its front, G the G7 and, well, at the time, the G8 was created to you know, kind of help the, uh, the industrializing developing world. Um, now in practice, it's often been, how can we maintain dominance? Um, but I mean, yeah. that's... And it also, it also spawned partially out of the 1973 oil crisis too. Yeah. So like there's, there's, a, they have this forward, you know, and this is what we're going to be talking about today as well. They have this outward goal of being beneficial, but their internal goal, their actual goal, is to like you said maintain power similar to the unsc the united states uh united nations security council rather united nations space command no united nations security council so <laughs> anyway regardless uh the interesting thing so i i don't think that there's like there's no at least as far as i'm aware there's no like weird <clears throat> conspiracy theory surrounding this but every or seven to eight years depending um ish the actual host nation changes. So in 2012, we had Barack Obama hosting. It actually, the so it actually changes every year with the president. Yeah, yeah. And like I'm saying, like every what I meant to say is every seven to eight years, it comes back to the United States. Ah, yes, yes. That's what I meant to say. So if you have a two-term president or something like that, then you're expected that you're going to be at least hosting one of these. Mm -hmm. Trump was supposed to host it in 2020. Now, I'm not saying that there's some conspiracy theory with COVID that was like, well, we don't want Trump to host it, so we're releasing COVID. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it is... I'm saying that. I'm saying that right now. Um, but it is interesting that the the one year that Trump was going to host it, where he is very belligerent with a lot of the members here um, and has a history of that, uh, they they it was canceled. I just thought that that was an interesting coincidence and i think it is just a coincidence like i said yeah but, so the last yeah. g7 summit back in 2019 took place in france and that did not end particularly well um very very little was agreed to um and i think this so we're gonna get into this tonight but a lot of this this was plain and simple, a more uh, agreeable summit than the one in 2019. Yes. Um, the leaders came out. They didn't agree on everything. They didn't agree on timelines, but they did agree on quite a bit. And I think that shows a dichotomy between Biden and Trump. Trump was, okay, America is strong. America's a leader. Here's how... It was America it, first. Yes, it was America first. It was America like, first in, you guys in, and your national agreements. We're going to America first. Yes. That's and what he was. whenever he did get... The United States into a multilateral agreement, it was American led. It was very clear that America was the leader of whatever body they were going to be a part of. Um, yeah. Biden, on the other hand, takes a more equitable approach. The United States, in his mind, is no better or worse than the UK, than France, than Japan, China, or Russia. And so yeah. um, comes at the comes to the bargaining table more amenable to their demands. Um, but also comes across as uh, less of an asshole. So, you know, you, he's, his style sacrifices a great deal of strength in exchange for equity. Yeah, yeah, a great deal of strength indeed. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Can but... I be politically correct about this for a second? No, you can't. Uh, Jess, Mike, you guys got any questions about just the general format of the G7 before we get into what happened? Well, I'm basically, I, I don't know much about it so i'm here to okay. learn about it so yeah it's it's, it's a hoity-toity international meeting between a bunch of leaders and they get to show off that's effectively what it is but i do want to bring up what they accomplished yeah accomplished <laughs> ostensibly yeah, right. accomplished yes you got any questions no i mean i'm pretty much in the same boat as mike but i did yeah. i 
in the like five minutes research I did very briefly, I do find it funny that they're meeting at like a beach resort. I've always pictured it in like this big conference room, like very, you know, straightforward and clear, but no, they're at a, they're at a beach resort, probably just by the pool, like talking about these conflicts and, yeah. you know, next to all the daily people. Um, it was so that's interesting. not having this meeting at Bohemian Grove. <laughs> they should yeah, be having it in a yeah. back alley at night or something. Okay, well, they most likely that's where they get all the actual work done when the cameras are off. Yeah, right? the, when they when they uh, have the, real the weird, meetings, it's over. The at weird thing was like they they would flit between having masks on and masks off. Like they would take photo shoots with masks on, and then they'd take them off and do another photo shoot. And I was like, I don't know why you what you know you're all vaccinated. Why I don't whatever. You guys are a bunch of old weirdos, so that's fine. Um, so I do want to. I'm gonna share my screen real real quick here. Uh, hopefully you guys can see this. Yeah, it's a. Got uh, the article. I got a, like a lot of tabs. Just ignore that. Um, yeah, I can see it. But yeah. So this is from the World Economic Forum. Okay. So this is the global solutions, the four things that came out of the G7 summit. Now you can go ahead and read this yourself. I'm not going to read it down for you. Basically, it comes down to like I said, four things up there. So billion doses of COVID-19 vaccine. That is uh, for the less developed nations that are currently getting slammed by covid so that would include like india and stuff like that now does that solve a lot of the problem no it's a nice pledge to make is that most likely going to happen probably not <laughs> but they did make the the pledge you can come back to this video in a year and let me know if it actually happened i'm going to let you know now most likely not because the you know they just, they just don't they don't do that ever um but i really like that though no so they're yeah. not doing it. They're saying, hey, someone should do this. Yeah. Well, they're saying <laughs> United States. So so the leaders pledged to deliver an additional $870 million on top of the $250 million, quarter a quarter of a billion, already promised by the U.S. and, and the $100 million promised by the U.K. So they've already promised a third of a billion. They're promising an additional $870 million. Bringing it up to, I think that would be 1.2 billion, if my math is correct on that. I could be completely wrong. Uh, roughly around that number, at least. Two plus two equals five. You might be wrong. Yeah, you will. You will yeah, if I use uh, critical theory. Um, well, okay. Oh, yeah. And this is a theme. So this is the theme that we're going to see whenever we cover any international summits. Yes. And uh, that is that they they it, they never come out and say. All right, we are going to do this now. It's always yeah. we pledge to do X, Y, and Z. So, a billion, a billion doses of the COVID nineteen vaccine. So there's no set timeline on it. They pledge they're going to do it. How are we going to do it? God knows. God only knows. Coal. That one they actually have a timeline on. Um, other climate change stuff. They've set a timeline, but no one sticks to it. Yeah, These... and that's that's been a big problem with you know Copenhagen, Kyoto, Paris uh, climate accords, and also how they define a lot of this stuff. Like, what does deliver mean? Because that could mean a variety of things. Deliver viable vaccines. They didn't throw in the word viable, so they could be theoretically delivering expired vaccines, and that would still count. They you did know, in New York. This is how this is how they do this. This is expected in international law. It's at anarchy. I'm very much an international realist. They're going to try to screw over everyone else. That's just how that works. Well, and the question comes from from agreements like this. It's not it's not as much of an issue when you have a group like the G7, where pretty much yeah. everybody agree, every nation essentially agrees on the on the key foundation that is a Western democracy. Um, and yes, I'm including Japan in yeah. that because for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, Japan is very like if when you say Western, you're not talking about like geographically. Western style. Yeah, Western style, the, the the style of governance and that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, Japan has behaved pretty well since we uh, dropped the sun on them twice. Yes. Uh, well, they, they developed, you know, hentai and anime, and I don't know how well that's been. But besides anyway, that, maybe, maybe the sun needs to be dropped on so them again. So let, let's take the Paris Accords, for example. The primary issue that, um, like I, for example, have the Paris Accords is it doesn't, the, the Paris Accords don't hold China accountable until 2030. And even though it uh, holds them accountable as of 2030, there's nothing. There's no way to enforce um, the Paris Accords on China, even oh, though yeah. China signed they're, on they're to them. All, well, okay. So first, you're 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 correct, but you're also wrong at the same time. Oh, good. Uh, so so 
there's no way to enforce it because intentionally China's not held to account in the Paris Climate Accord. Because since Copenhagen, which was the first one, that was, I believe, in 1985. I'm a little bit rusty on this. I did the research for this. Like, it was in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, well, I did the research for this four years ago, so I could be a little bit off my dates, but the, the general idea is still there. There are two separate types of nations, and effectively, it's first world and then everyone else. Mm -hmm. Everyone else includes China and India, which happen to make up the majority of uh, you know, CO2 emissions, pollution, like the great Pacific garbage patch is almost entirely from those two nations for the most part. And, you know, other satellite nations outside of them. Uh, but regardless, they are not held to the same account as someplace like Russia or the United States or Canada. And also built into these agreements are really weird provisions. So, for example, with uh, I believe it was Copenhagen, actually, they had a provision regarding trees and, and factories and all this kind of stuff. Canada interpreted that to be, well, we don't need to plant any new trees, but we can just count our existing trees, and that counts against whatever CO2 we emit as a credit. And then what happened was the Soviet Union collapsed. A lot of their satellite nations that now exist, you know, that are independent nations, had a bunch of factories. The Russia wrote that off. So they looked like they reduced their CO2 emissions by 33%. All that happened was that they collapsed. Like the yeah. country collapsed. Like the factories did not stop emitting CO2. They just weren't under the auspices of Russia. Right. So you're right that China doesn't have to do any of this stuff. That's intentional. That's the point of the, right. the Paris Climate Agreement. Well, that's and what he, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna say is that, like, uh, like, <laughs> like James pointed out, like, there's not solid deadlines on that. They're very loose deadlines for all of these promises, and there's not any real consequences if they don't live up to these promises. Yeah. It's just like, oh shoot, we missed it this time. We'll set it off another ten years. Um, and then also the thing about this conference in general is it's assuming that these seven advanced nations are going to be able to change the whole world and going to change everything. And yeah. obviously there are probably more, I guess, less advanced. I mean, there are more less advanced nations than these seven just out of these seven nations. Yeah. And so no. there's a lot of assumptions going on that make it seem like a good thing, but they truly need to rethink their strategies. <laughs> I want to I want to move on so I can get the other three things in here because we've yeah. only done one of them. Go ahead. But but it is very pompous of these nations to assume that they can speak for the other ninety percent of the globe and say this is what's going to happen now. You know, it is very pompous of them to do that. To be expected of the elites because they suck and they don't know what they're doing. But they they are very full of themselves. Um, again. No more coal. We already kind of touched on that. Very similar to billion doses. This is the only thing that I really thought happened, but I'm going to skip to number four. So this is tech giants and tax havens targeted. So this is not what it says. It's basically just raising taxes globally. So then corporations are going to be hit hard no matter what they do. Yes. Like they can't, so... with, the exception, with the exception of countries outside of here. <laughs> outside of this this group of seven so we could conceivably see all of these corporations going somewhere like ireland and we see a resurgence of the celtic tiger that we saw in the early 2000s because so, of a very similar thing i'm gonna cut in here because so first off if we're gonna we're gonna touch on this briefly tonight but um wednesday at noon we have a uh, our very first episode the 10 minute policy breakdown coming out on this very topic so if you want to know something really in depth um, go ahead and watch that. It's good 10 yeah. minute watch. Um, but it's produced, it's produced by our very own James here. It is. Yes. You get to you get, listen to my voice nonstop for 10 minutes. Um, I'd shoot oh, myself boy. too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but oh, good at good marketing there. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. I don't work. like my voice. Um, some people do though. But, but so th this, this, yeah. this corp, this international tax so this isn't the g7 saying that they are going to enact it this is the g7 saying each of these each of the each member of the g7 endorses the idea the idea has already been endorsed by the imf by um the world bank and by oecd so now they're going to discuss this at the g20 summit in august or october i can't remember which one it is and then if the g20 approves of it 
um, they're going to find some sort of way to get you know, the rest of the nations in the world to sign yeah. on. And they do have method. This never one, well, That's this no, happen. no. First off, it will never happen. But uh, because you have countries like China and probably Russia, yeah, well, you're going to say no. China's going to say, yeah, sure, absolutely, and then just not do it. Right, and that's, like they do with every international agreement. That's exactly well, and that's a concern that we talk about in the that I talk about in the episode. Also, I talk about in the episode how they're going to enforce it because they actually, unlike everything else here, do have a built-in method of how to enforce it. I think that it is um, borderline extortion, but yeah. they do have a method of how to do it. So this this is significant, but it's just the first step towards this policy. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into this particular, uh, international corporate minimum tax rate. If the G20 agrees to it, that's when it becomes very serious. Again, it's a promise like the other two. They're just promises. They didn't actually do anything. Like nothing was done of those three. So we're now on the fourth, right? I I know it says four here because I skipped one because this is the only one that actually happened. Okay. Those are all our promises. Yeah. It's great. They're having this talk, whatever. No, nothing concrete was done. Now, what was concrete or like clearly done is this America is back at the table idea from Joe Biden. Okay. And I'm going to run because I got a couple of couple of articles here that I want to pull up. Yeah. Boo taxes. I'm 100% with you on that one. Kibbles. Yeah. Kibbles. Um, I, I agree with you on that one. Kibbles, Kibbles, you are an OG. You should definitely come on sometime and talk about it. Watch episode um, five. Yeah. Uh, so America is back at the table, he says. The point of this summit and I'm going to say this now, was not anything other than for Joe Biden to say, I am not Trump in every single way he could think of, imaginable. Okay. That's just, that's my, that is an interpretation granted, but that's very clear that that's what he wanted to do. And that's what he did. Um, And, you know, we have this quote from Emmanuel Macron, who I'll be getting to in just a second. Macron, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, Highland, you can correct me on that one if I'm wrong. Uh, but it's great to have a U.S. president who's part of the club and very willing to cooperate. What is this club? It's the elitist club, but, you know, that is what it is. It's a big club and you're not in it. Yeah, it's a big club that you're not in. Didn't know. So I got this article from Snopes here. So this article from Snopes tries to debunk the claim that a photograph shows French President Emmanuel Macron scolding U.S. President Joe Biden during a NATO summit in 2021. That is an interpretation of a picture. It's labeled as miscaptioned. Snopes is garbage. I'm just going to let you know that now. So you can go and read this yourself. I would encourage you to go fact check me on this. And if you disagree, comment it on YouTube, comment it on, on Twitch. We will read it. But basically their argument is it's one picture and you can't pull, you know, the, these this overarching narrative of, of Biden being scolded by Macron through one picture. And then they go to like examples of photographs that have been misrepresented in the past, yada, yada, yada. And then they say, well, they were smiling later on. And then you have this video. So he's talking to him here, you know, and it's like kind of hard to figure out what they're exactly saying. But he's clearly not being super friendly about it because you have the pictures up here, if you guys can see it, um, of like them laughing. Like that's him being more friendly with it. Now, Joe Biden laughed at himself multiple times that I'll get to in a little bit for not good reasons but these are the photos that we're looking at here so you see we have macron here if you guys can't see this i'll try to make this quick for people listening and not watching but yeah macron here pointing his finger and looking stern and joe biden's got his hand raised and he's basically saying come on man right which is his kind of catchphrase and then we have this picture here that's the only thing he ever says that's well that and true not a shot of pressure but yeah. then he's got this picture of macron here and macron's gotten pretty strong over the past couple of years and that's been part of his international goals until he got Um, slapped in the face yeah well you know that's it is what it is um but internationally he's gotten pretty tough and this is him you know another picture of the same exchange effectively now is this definitive proof that he was getting scolded no snopes is right about that but you can't say that this is a debunked claim because all they have are pictures as well and yeah, single photographs can be misinterpreted easily, which is why they say miscaptioned. So if anyone says, oh, this has been debunked, no, it's debated. It's con- it's it's up for debate right now. But to me, it looks like I can't understand how someone would look stern and pointing at somebody and the other person looking, you know, furrowed brow, come on, man, would not be on the back end of receiving that. 
you know. So that's at least my interpretation. Jess, you're a journalist. What do you think about these photos? What would be your interpretation? Well, I mean, as a journalist, I wouldn't give my interpretation because that's not the point. But, <laughs> I uh, mean... Fair, fair, fair highly and fair. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not doing it too wrong on the pronunciation there. I'm trying to interpret your voice. It, it does... I mean, it's hard to argue. It's They're definitely not friendly in this picture where he's pointing at Biden. So it's hard to say that there wasn't conflict or tension um, over what. I mean, maybe it's Biden stole his lunch by accident because he yeah. doesn't know how to read. But, I mean, who knows? He doesn't know how to read. <laughs> but um, it, it's debatable. And, yeah, that's really all I have yeah, to say. Yeah, we know that he can't read a teleprompter. Yeah, well, no, he just fights it. He he wants to say things that aren't on the teleprompter, and his staff will yeah. let him. And then, and then, right after he does, he goes, "Oh, yeah, uh, I better stop." Oh, this this is all interpretation. We're all oh, the facts no, right now. On the United States, I'm oh. gonna get in trouble. Yeah. So but, uh, anyway, anyway, so yeah, this 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 America is back is like like I was talking about earlier, where um, Biden's whole approach to everything has been multilateral. You know, it's yeah. it. So Biden is trying his damnedest to not sound like the bully that Trump was. But it's important to realize two things: that Trump was a bully for two reasons. One, he's been a businessman his entire life, and that's how you that's how you do business. That's just plain and simple. That's how business runs. Two, Trump's approach. <laughs> Trump's nice. Trump's approach was again an America first, America from a position of strength, America as a leader. Um, basically, we're strong enough, we're powerful enough, we are wealthy enough, we can go it alone. If you want to come along for the ride, we'll appreciate it. Because if you look at, um, oh, was it the, is it the four? Okay, I can't, I can't remember the name of the group. But, you know, Trump restarted an international alliance with India, um, Japan, and Australia against eyes? China. I, I thought it was the four eyes, but that sounds like that's that. I'm pretty I, I sure that's the intelligence that organization. Like, yeah, that was I, I. I'm pretty sure that was the intelligence organization with the UK, Canada, Australia, yep. and like the United States or something. Yeah, I think so. But this is this is a specifically an alliance against China in the eastern in the eastern Pacific, yeah. Yeah. and um. So Trump and he, you know, he negotiated the USMC. He's not Trump. Trump did, was not against multilateral agreements. Yeah, and he, I think and I think he also these these photos are actually good for biden's purpose of trying not to seem like a bully because if he's getting bullied he's clearly not the bully here right mm -hmm. you know if that would be an interpretation i think what was going on was biden just didn't want to deal with macron at this point in time and was like no go away go away and macron's like no you listen here and like that kind of thing i don't know if, i don't think biden necessarily did anything like that would upset Macron other than just didn't want to talk to him because yeah. he's probably tired. Well, and I mean, you know, Macron is a bully. I mean, if you look at how he's yeah, handled Macron France. Is, like I said, he's aggressive. He's pretty yeah. aggressive on the initial stage. But, I mean, he's aggressive against his own people. Yes. And I want to move on to one of the more famous things that we've seen. Well, which here, is hold this. on. Hold on. I want to say, just for a, uh, I want to plug this in. Um, we were talking about the four eyes. Yeah. And I just want to plug this in for the future episode. Whenever the uh, Snowden episode continues, we will talk about that. Keep oh. that in mind. Oh, good. Hey, uh, fair enough. It's involved in that. So um, so this video, I'm going to blow it up for full screen so hopefully everyone can see it. It's a little bit blurry, but this is Joe Biden right here. And what's happening here is, you know, he's just wandering around this cafe and he gets asked a question. And they're like, how, how is your, how's your summit going? You guys can go look this up on your own. Um, and he's like, it's going great. And then Jill Biden shows up and just walks him away. So he's yeah. just wandering around. Like, all right, we're done. Come on. Before you say and, something stupid. Yeah, basically. And th that was it. You know, and I've got the actual tweet here as well. And there's some like discrepancy. It was like, oh, is this Russian misinformation? It's a video of the president. I don't really care. But then there's also this gaffe here where Biden's uh, at this meeting and Boris Johnson's introducing people. And he reminds him to introduce the president of South Africa. And, introduced. He which he already introduced. And then if you watch the interaction here, sure. Boris Johnson just like doesn't even look at him. He just like kind of like, no, I already did that. And then everyone starts laughing at Biden. So in both of these incidents, Biden, I think this is intentional for him, is to try to appear a little bit out of the limelight 
if I'm, I'm trying to give him like the benefit of the doubt here because everyone's laughing at him. He's trying to appear out of the limelight. He doesn't want to take center stage. He's trying to be the exact polar opposite of Trump, who was a bully, was aggressive, was trying to get in the limelight at all times. And I think that that was the purpose of this entire meeting was to say, hey, look at me. I'm not Trump. I'm here to work with everyone. I don't if know. About like that. That, I, I think you know, I think maybe he wasn't in the limelight because he doesn't he knows that he can't speak right and he doesn't want to gaff in front of every other country. I mean, yeah. that that would be my personal interpretation. I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here and give him the most positive read that this is all intentional. This is part of his PR mission to try to appear less confrontational. I don't well, we, we know that he's a puppet, right? We know that there are people behind the scenes basically running him and with a hand up his ass. Okay. Well, so and we, I, I don't we know, know that. that on and YouTube, but okay. They probably I, told him, speak as little as possible because right, we don't want to clean up your mess. Like, Mike, you might want to be quiet before Jessica conquers you like Genghis Khan conquered all of Asia. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I just want to point out that it is interesting because, like, when I think of America, I think of a front runner and someone that's, like, very active in everything, very active in every conversation, um, kind of a leader. There's tons of countries that look up to us. And mm -hmm. so when you think leader about it... The world, yeah. Yeah, when you think about it just in general, like, when you think of Trump, he was very assertive. He was a front runner. He was very, you know, he's just going to go for it. And but then now with how Biden's acting, it doesn't really line up at like with the aura or the personality that America has. It doesn't line up with the American identity. And so it's just kind of interesting about like how Biden is portraying America when everybody knows that that's not what America's always been. What? Sorry, the chat is lighting up because Michael's eating chicken. <laughs> Hey, I'm hungry. And I didn't eat dinner today. Okay. Uh, can we can we do a sh short plug, Mike, for our shirts? What about for our sponsor? Hail Lobster. B Dubs. We are not yeah, sponsored by B Dubs. Oh, <laughs> should be. Someone contact B Dubs and tell them to but sponsor. Me, me and Mike are both rocking the Hail Lobster shirts. You guys, everyone should go pick them up. They're at the Jordan Peterson store. Also not sponsored by Jordan Peterson. We're not sponsored by any of those people. I literally have to say that, otherwise YouTube gets angry, okay? Well, we're not. We're not sponsored by anybody right now, except for maybe Gillette. But Actually, we're sponsored we're by the CIA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is all CIA disinformation. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, no so... Just, I totally agree with what you're saying there. It's, I think you're 100% on point. Mm -hmm. So the other thing... Are, are we going to talk about the uh, one other thing from the summit? Uh... You you mean the Putin thing or no what, the what, what, build the Build Back Better World Initiative? Yeah 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 Build Back Better. I I almost completely forgot. I was so caught up with like the PR stuff. Yeah. So Build Back Better World or B three W. I just like Build Back Better World. I think that sounds better. Um. Anyway, so it is. Build a bear. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Build a Bear. Um. <laughs> so it's a it's an initiative designed to counter China's Belt and Road by doing the same thing <laughs> to developing countries. But uh, so they're trying to provide $40 trillion to all these developing countries in like Africa in like East Asia and all that kind of stuff uh, by 2035. Um, and the goal, which is a little dubious because I don't know how they're going to implement this, is to get the funds from the private sector and then invest them in climate, health, health security, digital technology, <laughs> gender equity and equality. And there's a lot of dubious terms in there. First of all, it sounds like they're just confiscating wealth from the private sector, like not through taxes or whatever. They're just taking it. And then well, they, they go, can I interject that. here? So I've so in the vein of the 10 minute policy breakdown, uh, one thing that I've been researching is uh, Biden's so-called infrastructure plan, which is 25 percent infrastructure plan, 75 percent random bullshit. Um, but this is actually largely very, it's, it's largely built on that. Um, someone talks about utilizing private investment. Basically, the U.S. government, the French government, whatever, will uh, negotiate on behalf, uh, channels on behalf of the private sector so the private sector can then make loans to these foreign governments. Um, it's much in the same way that the Chinese Communist Party is doing in the Belt and Road Initiative. The difference being that the Chinese Communist Party is stealing the wealth from its citizens and then loaning it out so they can literally colonize the rest of the world economically, um, whereas the West is doing this specifically to 
counter uh, the Belt and Road Initiative using private funds, large, uh, by and large, rather than public funding. And the government's role is basically going to be to facilitate that and direct it, um, not actually assign the money, raise the money, that sort of thing. So, And that's how portions of uh, Biden's infrastructure plan, so, so-called infrastructure plan, is supposed to work. And that's how this is supposed to work as well. So yeah. I'm, I, and I will say that I think it makes, you know, this, first off, I'm sick and tired of hearing build back better. It is the most moronic slogan I could possibly I think, think of. It, I think it has a good flow to it, James. I like it. I don't think I so. Think I hate alliteration. I, I like alliteration. That's why I do pat plays. That's fair. I like it when Biden says it because he like stutters through it. He was like, oh, boom, he, has, he does his own comedy routine with it that's unintentional. But three O. Oh, oh, three O. Oh. Oh. To so I want to I want to pose an open question. Now this is to the chat as well. I'll be watching the Twitch chat. Uh, but so to Jess and Mike, do you guys think after the G7 summit, are we stronger internationally or weaker internationally? What do you What are your based on what we've talked about here? You know, Biden's got this PR move. What they talked about, the purpose of it. What do you guys think? Who is we? Like in, in America, United States. Like the people or the government. Um, you can, I mean, if you have a different answer for both of them, go for it. People are weaker. The government probably stronger. All right, why? Why, why is there a disting- distinction? Because this is a fucking. This is a league of supervillains, and they're just. They meet on a beach, and, and they. Uh, they're all white except for one guy. Can we beep that? Uh, we have a delay, right? <laughs> no, I cannot, unfortunately. So uh, let's not oh, use it again. Yep. I said the F word. Oh. Frogs. Was it the uh, was it the three letter F word or the four letter F word? The four Frogs. letter F word. Yeah. Jess, what four do you letter. got? Not the worst F word. The three letter one. Oh, we can't say that one. Yeah. Well, I think I. I mean, in my mind, I sort of already answered this question just because I think because this is just completely different than what America's been in the past and the American identity and how they've acted in conferences that I think it's just, it's probably making other nations feel stronger and then America is seems weaker and more like a laughing stock, which is ironic because everyone thought America was a laughing stock when Trump was president, but he actually got things done and I think people feared him to a point. Um, but he used fear instead of love, which is the Machiavellian way of doing things. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, then... and one thing I want to say, um, it, just to contradict to you a little bit, because I know, like I said, I know you're to the right of Genghis Khan, so you might be, you know, coming at this from a different direction for me. But I have no idea where Genghis Khan lies. He is the top right. Oh. <laughs> he is like as far up there as he top can go. Right. Oh okay. yeah, like he is. You know, sense. he's way up there. Um, but uh, he's very authoritarian, very right wing. Uh, if by standards. Um, but so as as a former default liberal myself, uh, when I was a freshman and part of sophomore year in college, I had this idea because I was international studies um, that internationally. So you have, the, you know, the right and the left, the right responds in very much in the short term. Now, this is very wrong what I'm about to say, but the right responds very much in the short term to crises, whereas the left tries to set up all of these international organizations to do to do good in the long term, to make the world a better place long term. If it wasn't for the right doing all of these really short term, stupid things to respond to these crises, then we would be doing much better. That's very wrong. That's what I thought under Obama's presidency. I was very much proved wrong. That was also around the time that I told James I would never be his friend anymore if he voted for Donald Trump. And then I promptly so, voted for Donald Trump, and we're still best friends. So I did not vote for Hillary Clinton because I could not do that. that you voted for Harry Johnson. Yeah, I feel the Johnson. Let's go. So um, I will oh, say, yeah. so coming off of this summit, I do think the United States on the international stage looks stronger, not because of what Biden did, um, but by nature of who he was with. So you take there's, there's a difference between the strength that Trump yeah. is trying to show and the strength because Biden is trying to show a form of strength. It's just not America's strength. It is, he's basically saying America is part of this international coalition. We yeah, are strong. Stronger together. Yeah, stronger, stronger together. together. Trump was saying we lead these international organizations because we are the strongest, period, end of story. So yeah. the United States as a country does look stronger as a result of the G7 summit because 
you're, you don't see the infighting between the United States and France because Trump and Macron hate each other. Trump and Trudeau hate each other. Trump and Boris Johnson actually kind of got along, but really didn't like Boris Johnson either. Um, yeah. You know, the only international leader that he really did get along with very well is Shinzo Abe. Um, the Abe is a G. <laughs> yeah, he is. Be real. Abe's so cool. I was doing research on him the other day, and he is just a really cool guy. Like, he's very, like, he is one of the few leaders that I will outright say that I've, that have existed in my lifetime that actually give a crap about their people. Oh, yeah. Like, he's one of the very few leaders that actually care. You know, President Park in Korea could not give a shit. When those people died on that ferry, she didn't care. You know, like, eh, well, you know it's a thing. <laughs> and, like, we could get canceled by South Korea for saying that, but, I mean, Moon's in control anyway. So I was going to say the opposition party to Park is in control right now anyway. Um, I know most, most people watching have no idea what I'm talking about, but no. it is it was a big scandal in South Korea. But uh, so now in, internally, we look significantly weaker because you've got more, you know, every time. So, that, hold on, James, James, we're getting a question from, yeah. and I think this is a really important question. Uh, so this is from Hylian, of course, and very intelligent guy. I can't fluff him up enough. But he says an issue he has with the analysis presented here is that it's clear strength and strong has not been clearly defined. So the, there's, there's different types of strength. There's very aggressive, you know, like show of force kind of strength. And then there, I would say, is more like a Teddy Roosevelt type of strength where it's you're, you're very quiet on the international stage, but nobody screws with you because they don't want to see what happens when you actually get involved in stuff. And, and this is like a very dumbed down version of it uh, as far as I'm concerned, as well as if you're looking outside of the unilateral responses to things, there's... Uh, international political strength. So ha having the ability to bring together all these leaders to do something, uh, you know, a show of leaders can be just as effective as a show of force. You don't have to do, sorry, <clears throat> just choked on my own spit there for a second. Um, but as a little too, I, I like talking about these kind of more, more thoughtful things. Um, yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, I was about to get to the soft and hard power. That's what I was talking about. The leaders, the show of leaders. Anyway, so soft power is more of like a political influence that you have over people, or hard power would be more of coercive. Um, is that basically right, Hylian? If not, you can go ahead and define it. I'll just read your definition. That's fine with me. Uh, you mean, you could, depending on which scholar you ask, you might find yeah. slightly But the point is there's different ways to display strength, and Trump and Biden display strength in very different ways. And yeah. that's why I'm yeah. saying that what Biden is doing is a display of strength. He is trying to show strength, but in a very I'm different way. Our Trump focuses on hard. Well, I mean, in I, kind of... I would say if you want to get a really simple explanation. That, that's like as simple as you can get, because hard power is traditionally considered more military power, which, well, yes... Trump did like to flex that. Biden has also flexed that quite a bit as well, um, namely in Didn't response. Did we pull out, though, of the Pacific? No. Recently? We just parked an entire carrier strike group in between China and Taiwan. Oh, good. Excellent. Uh, in response to, well, it was actually yeah, right okay. before China Basically sent 28 planes into Taiwanese airspace. Um, but no, so they both you know, use hard power, use soft power. But the way they display their strength is much more complex than just saying hard versus soft power. And that's why I do give Biden the benefit of the doubt on a lot of the, on, you know, particularly on the international stage. I don't agree with him on hardly anything when it comes to domestic oh, no, policy. I mean, I think he's just a terrible president in general. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that I don't think there's been a president in my lifetime that has scored over a C. <laughs> like the, on a grade scale. I the only I thing. An F right now. I don't like anything he's doing. Yeah. Well, the only thing I, that I can really back him on is the way he's been responding to China because he has been, in my opinion, using an appropriate mix of hard and soft power. He has yeah. ended the trade war. He's been ramping up really our... I was actually really surprised about that. Like, yeah. I was, I was and, really surprised. And I firmly believe in giving people credit where credit is due. And Biden, in my opinion, in the position that we're currently in, is doing a, above, an above, I would say probably a B job on China. Shut up. Sure. I, I want, and this is what I want, okay? This is not a good idea <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. I want... Think very carefully about what you're about to say. I want to 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 offer uh, to all Hong Kongers, you know, if I was the president, this is what I would do. I would offer free immigration to all Hong Kongers to come over to the United States. 
Oh yeah, asylum. It's political asylum. Oh, and that's the other thing. Oh, so often, yeah, exactly, political asylum. Yeah, I, I, can, I couldn't think of the specific words. The G7. It's not a good idea, but I would offer it. I mean, I think it's a good idea. And the G7 summit actually did make comments on slave labor in Xinjiang and yeah. uh, the uh, Chinese Communist Party's infraction on their uh, on the freedoms of Hong people of Hong Kong. They yes, they're just statements. But think about two years ago, people, you know. When the when the protesters first started breaking out, no one was saying anything. They were singing the American national anthem in the streets. They were begging the UK to step in and enforce the treaty that China has with the UK to yeah. protect Hong Kong. They weren't doing it. They wouldn't say anything. Two years ago, they weren't talking about the genocide in Xinjiang, but now they are. They're actually saying something about it. So that is progress. Is it the progress that I think we need? Is it far enough? No, I don't think so, but it's progress. And so I do have and, to and give credit. I, where I totally agree. I totally agree. Highly, and no, there's no way they're getting the message. They're not going to No. There's no way they can get out now at this point. I'm pretty sure. Well, they did. They did just launch more protests. So I, 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 they're completely silent. Nope. They're I have protesting. A, or surprise on black. Or I have a question for you guys about surprise on black. Hmm. Right. Imagine if he had a real weapon. <laughs> okay. Just give us Angus Khan's answer to what's going on here. Well, no, I was just going to say to, um, to backtrack a little bit, like, despite what I've been saying this whole time, I'm not, I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. Often find America too cocky, and I think that gets us into trouble. It works sometimes, but it gets into trouble. So I don't think it's a bad thing that, you know, Biden does have a different approach. I think that can be useful um, and come in handy, but... I, I don't I don't like the Obama strategy of leading from behind. I don't think that's effective. No, well, that's no and I don't think so either, but I... Yeah, but there's but pros... Think, I mean, obviously, Trump did things goal. wrong, and Biden does things wrong, yeah. so... Well, what I'm, I, I say it's not effective, assuming our goals are you know, to expand our influence, which you I, I think that that's what all nation states have for goals, but I don't think it's effective at that. What are you going to say, Mike? You're eating a carrot. No, yeah, I said, uh, Jess, it sounds like haters going to hate because we're the best, so. Okay. Oh, well. See, well, see I'm, very, I'm very much a realist, but I'm also very much an isolationist, and those come into conflict a lot, and it's hard for me to parse the two out. Yeah, well, Mike's very much a realist, and he also likes to blow people up. <laughs> like as part of his ideology, <laughs> you you like to bomb countries. Hey, you gotta them. So, okay, now now let's not get flagged by the right. Anyway, but your, anyway. your opinion is different when you're actually over there. Yeah. So it's different. Yeah. yeah but, but, well, you're the only one here with the real military experience. In the United States, I'm more of an isolationist. But yeah, so I agree with you, Jess. There is a middle ground that you can take between uh, being a strong man and uh you know being cooperative with people on the international stage and you know the issue is we tend to with our politics flip-flop between the two and two extremes so it's very difficult uh for people to work with us to be frank because we're constantly flip-flopping between we're better than you get in line and please be our friend we're going to give you all of our money and there's we can't seem to find that balance at least not in my yeah. lifetime and i think i think that's part of what bothers me about these types of conferences is you know that although obviously there are good intentions of like we want to get things done there's a yeah. big part of it that's like how do we want to represent our country and how do we want to come off to other people it's like a whole big pr stunt rather than it being an actual active meeting of what are we going to do it's always a consideration with any international meeting regardless which is why the vladimir putin one was like just so bad for the united states because nothing was done and all it did was legitimize vladimir putin who's not my favorite person in the world i can tell you that much yeah so uh, let's let's transition into no, no, before we, because we're running out of time here we got six minutes we have 10 minutes and we can talk about we can talk about that in 10 minutes i want to i want to say i want to say that as the person here who has I would say the second most amount of international travel experience besides Mike, I think. Oh, yeah. I um, to every country I've been to, with the exception of Japan, I think, is the only one that stands out to me, was very pro-America. When I went to Ireland, I went to Ireland while the Brexit movement was like happening, like when the, like, the actual you know, deals were being made and everything like that. And Ireland was very much in turmoil because 
they didn't know how because they had that eu border with the united kingdom it was very easy for them to trade with them they don't know what they're going to do you know like it, there's a lot of questions up in the air as to how their their relationship with britain was going to change and they were very pro-america at that point because they're like yes america be your next big trading partner let's go like, we very much like america and then uh south korea obviously loves us well uh, that's changing is it yeah, South Korea is actually getting much closer to China recently because we because Obama bungled the fad. I was, I was to, to clarify, I was in South Korea what, what, 2017, right? 20, 2016, 2017. Yeah, 2016. Um, so yeah, they like yes, Obama bung. Well, two things. First off, President Park liked us a lot. President Moon, not so much. Yeah, well, President Moon is pursuing the sunshine policy, which I think is a mistake. So, I mean, and I think it was a mistake. I think it was a mistake when Trump was pursuing it. I think it's a mistake when President Moon's pursuing it. We, we can do an entire episode on our thoughts on the Korean Peninsula uh, because yeah. we totally we don't agree with them. We've both been there. We've both been to North Korea. It's, it's just a fun time. Yes, that was, that was, that was my, uh, my focus when I was still a poli sci major. So um, with most of the countries that I've been to, though, it was mostly either pro-America or just like, uh, I mean, you're okay. We don't hate you. Or... America. Israel was like, we fuck, we love you. <laughs> I didn't say it. We we have we have intercourse. They, they were showering us with love. They were yeah. like, as soon as they found out we were from America, they just followed us. That is what the sentiment was when I was in Ireland, though. Too like once people found out that I had an American accent, they're like, "Oh, you know, you gotta come out to the to the pub with us. Oh, it's gonna be great. You know, it's yeah, a lot." They, you know, exactly. I love the Irish. They're great. It was insane. They all loved us. I will say the people of Japan. I was in Japan. Were like well, they hate. I what's up with, what's up with I didn't know anything about politics back then, but in 2012, France hated us, or well, at least. So, the, were, was, so there's actually a reason yeah. for that. France was the only country that didn't back the United States on the first on the initial move into their uh, into Iraq. Um, so there's well, a lot of yeah. There's a, there's a lot of animosity there, which is why when we moved into Syria, France was the only country who backed us. Anyway, yeah. well, France, France has been one of our longest allies and they've screwed us and we've screwed them. You know, if, if it weren't for France, we wouldn't be a country. And if it wasn't for us, France would be speaking German. That's true. So, oh, did you so, see? I, I heard that France, I heard that France is sending us another Statue of Liberty. I hope so. <laughs> I read, I read so. that earlier awesome. today. I can't remember what source I, I read that from. Somebody fact check that on, fact check that. me. Uh, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Drop that in the Midwest. As for yeah, as for Japan, can. Japan is very pro-America for a lot of reasons, um, namely the fact that you know. Oh my we, God, it's true. They they are sending us another Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It's smaller. Oh, uh, I hope so. That one's huge. Another small one. There's another. Yeah, according to CNN on June 9th, so take it with a grain of salt because it's CNN. And we all know that they lie a lot. Um, so <laughs> it says. So apparently, New Yorkers have a surprise gift to look forward to this Independence Day, as as France is setting a second Statue of Liberty. This new bronze statue, nicknamed the Little Sisters, one sixteenth the size of our current one. <laughs> why is it also going? Why is yeah. it going? Okay, well, first of all, I think I understand why it's going into uh, into New York because they have so much free space there because everyone left. Yeah. But, um, well, it says it's going to be taken to Washington, D.C. to be installed in the French ambassador's residence. It's pretty freaking cool. I like that. We should send them stuff. And then eventually it'll be at the We've National Museum of stuff. Arts and Crafts. We should send them something like on the scale of the Eiffel Tower. Well, like, so international, uh, leaders, exchange, international oh, leaders exchange uh, gifts all the time. So at the Biden-Putin summit, uh, Biden gave Putin... A glass statue from a store, New from a, a hand hand blown store, whatever in New York, Crafter New York, yeah. and a uh, special pair of uh, aviators. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And but like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, we get them, you know, some big old statue or some something that like they can put on their their coastline. I think that'd be really cool. Holding that, a baguette. That'd be really cool. Get them, but, like, a giant baguette. Yeah, a big bronze baguette. It's gonna be alliteration, so James will hate it. Oh <laughs> That's my God. what we do. I like the big uh, bronze baguette. James, can we make that into a shirt? Like we're gonna have big this bronze baguette, giant, giant bronze color baguette, and then you see the rest of France and like the Eiffel Tower is really small in the background. 
It's just the big bronze baguette on the bottom. And then we can also put that with our uh, Australia's isn't real uh, line of shirts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can do that. Um, like, so I like I, black here, he says, uh, to turn the middle or to turn Iraq into glass. That's not what he says. Well, I said it. I said, said, okay, so the, the, the chat said, I'm all for an imperial USA. Let's make Iraq a state. And then Hyland said, Iraq is a state, but presumably you're referring to as a federal state. And then Twinkle Monster said, let's turn Iraq into a parking lot. And then he said, glass it like a reach. Yeah. I think that's David. Turn it like into a second account or something. Anyway, I so I want to touch on the very David briefly. Yeah, sorry, Jane. I want to touch very briefly on the Biden-Putin summit. Uh, so first off, it was very short, and about the only thing that came of it, other than a PR win for Biden or for excuse me for Putin, it was a PR loss for Biden. Yes, yeah. um, because Biden uh, appeared very weak physically next to Putin, and also was very short with the press afterwards. Not to mention yeah. the U.S. press. Yeah, yeah, the U.S. press couldn't could barely get into the room. Only a handful of reporters could get in because Russian security was holding them out. He had his uh, pre-selected reporters again, as mm -hmm. usual. Yes, and uh, but the only thing they agreed on. So Biden gave Putin a list of critical U.S. infrastructure that he's not allowed to attack, which yeah. <laughs> sounds okay, like. Wait. Talk about that because that was so yeah, stupid. He's like, hey, don't attack these sixteen you things. Don't attack anything else. These are the vital ah, things to keep America running. What? Like, yeah. What was up with that? That was so weird. So I think it was meant as it was meant to say, okay, these are the things that if you mess with this, we will we will destroy you. We will go after your pipelines. We will go after your banking mean, systems. That's also bad because anything that's not on that list is like, well, you did not say you would kill us. Well, so that's you that's exactly the thing. Everyone is interpreting it as, okay, everything not on this list is fair game. So or everything on this list would really hurt us, so don't touch it. Yeah. He's like, die, we'll do it all at once. So, okay, to be fair, there's no way Putin doesn't know what our critical infrastructure is. Yeah, I mean, no it's not that hard to figure out when you've got, you know, the third most powerful government on earth I digging know. into it. Your parents' house, the White House, uh, the Lighthouse, uh, the Second Statue of Liberty, those are top five right now. Absolutely. Um, Mike's house. Yep. And now for the nonpartisan analysis. Are you talking about me? Um, yeah. yeah, well, the nonpartisan, I, like, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I think that the, so the Biden-Putin summit was effectively, and is going to effectively be the same as the Trump kim summit mm -hmm. you know like in actual fact like it's a lot of hubbub right now and it gives a international pr victory to a dictator but is it really gonna matter a lot in the end probably not yeah the you only know, other but... thing they discussed was extradition treaties um and he's not referring to you james he's referring to all of us that's my that's my nonpartisan view i guess my favorable view to biden is he did stand up to Putin in a sense that he was there and had a conversation with him and he didn't fall over. So a lot of people that were stood up. Yeah, like well, he was there yeah, and that's Putin, all he did. Putin didn't like it wasn't super clear that he ran him over with his words and he got his he's got his pictures and he looks very different from Donald Trump and how he handled a lot of things. Um, you know, he seemed aggressive at times towards putin so he got in what he needed to do so well i mean i'm trying to give him the best like i want to be truthful and i'm also trying to spin it a little bit in favor of biden i don't know if i'm doing a good job well and i will say that <laughs> biden when it comes when it comes to russia biden is sending mixed messages because you know the Nord Stream two pipeline; those um, those sanctions got lifted on Russia's pipeline into Europe. Uh, and so at the, at the same time that Biden is trying to be tough on Russia for all the cyber, the, the cyber attacks and um, for alleged uh, election interference and all this other stuff, he's also trying to, in a way, pull Putin away from Xi Jinping because those two, China and Russia, um, during Xi Jinping and Putin's tenures have been growing closer 
um, you know, repairing the rift that took place after yeah. the death of Mao. That's a good thing that Biden's doing there too. I have to say, like, if he can pull Putin away from Xi Jinping and isolate um, Xi, then that's a good thing. And, and you mm-hmm. know, if that had happened with Kim, that would have been awesome too. And if it happens with Putin, that's going to be awesome. You know, I don't think it will though. <laughs> you know, like my best analysis would be Putin just got in there, he got what he wanted, and now he's going to go back to Xi and have a great time. You know. Well, but, you know, and I, you know, one reason I was such a huge fan of the Kim summit was because, you know, you have to have the dialogue and otherwise you're just going to push them into their, into Xi Jinping's arms. And right now, I mean, just objectively, China is the largest threat to the United States. And it, you know, it's not Russia. It's not. And yes, Russia is a, you know, I would argue a secondary threat at best. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's more than a secondary threat. I mean, without China, we would be focusing all of our energies on Russia right now. Yes, but the prime the, the primary threat is China. I, I, I'm looking at it in tiers, I guess. I'm not really putting, you know, I'm, I have them both linked as, like, adversaries to us. Yes, but, I mean, Russia's not, not like really Iraq economic. You know. Yeah, economically, Russia's not much of a competitor. No, it's because they have a very weak e- economy right yeah, now. Yeah, militarily, they yeah, are, for with sure. Nord, with Nord Stream, I think, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They will dominate the natural gas market in Europe. So, I guess the takeaway from all of this is, you know, yeah. obviously, we've all made our opinions on Biden very apparent, but... These, you know, and also our opinions on what came of these summits, very apparent. But we do give Biden credit where credit is due. He, he, you know, if he is trying to pull Putin away from Xi Jinping, that's a smart move. It, you know, he is, you know, cracking down on China to the best of his, I think, to the best of his ability. And yeah, he is, yeah, and he is repairing relationships that were strained under Trump with some of our uh, formerly closest allies which is a display of strength in his own way. So I do not think these summits were all bad. I'm not going to, you know, get into the whole partisan argument of, oh, everything that Biden does is bad. No, I'm going to give him credit where credit is due and where he embraces policy that I don't like, I'm going to disagree with him. But when it comes to international policy, so far, I am not overwhelmingly disappointed with Biden, um, particularly with what happened this last week. I'm not impressed by any stretch of the imagination. But I am going to I, give him I think, credit. I I think that for me, it's like twenty five seventy five good versus bad with what Biden's been doing. Mm-hmm. I I don't care. <laughs> I I like. I guess I'm like I'm very realist here. I think that a very assertive, not a not necessarily aggressive or or mean, but a very assertive show of strength would have gone a long way here to say. Hey, yeah, like I'm back, you know, America's back here, but you're still not going to mess with us. You know, like we're willing to cooperate, more cooperative than Trump, but like, I'm not going to be a pushover. That would have been a much more appreciative thing than just kind of like, I'm here guys, I'm ready to ready to work with everyone, you know? Um, so I think that would have been better. Um, I, you know, the in, I don't really mind strained international relationships because, you know, allies are allies for now and, you know, kind of kind of deal, I guess. So, I, you know, it's it's not all, like you said, it's not all bad, but mostly bad <laughs> for me, at least. Uh, Jess, Mike, do you have any yeah, closing so, remarks before yeah. we sign off? I want to say I'm severely disappointed in Biden's foreign uh, policy, uh, especially with uh, he still has not pulled the troops out of the Middle East. That's true. Yeah, The, mid- uh, the Middle East is a nightmare. We were prepared yeah, to do the it. Middle, the Middle East policy that he's been pursuing. Ready. And he's like, nah, I like war. Yeah. Jess, what do you think? As Genghis Khan, I'm sure you're okay with war, but you know, as that. Well, I just want to point out that like it's very important to take these conferences at, at like as with a grain of salt because in the end, although this is like a good time for countries to get together and kind of align their interests and work towards common goals in the end every country is going to work towards their own self-interest like that's what's going to win out and so that's a lot of times why these policies or these promises that they make don't get accomplished is because they're going to do what's best for their country if their country is struggling economically they're not going to focus on climate change it's not their priority and so although i think these conferences are good to have these conversations um it is partly a PR stunt. It is partly a, how can I figure out what to do to pursue my self-interest? 
And then there's also that little part that's like, how can we work together to meet this goal? So it's just important to think about those while you're reading about what they're promising and everything. I do have some closing remarks though from from someone else. They just wanted to they wanted to weigh in. Reggie, what do you think? <laughs> All right, Thank it's very. He, he did a kick. I don't know. He's helpful. being very diplomatic and partisan. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's being very nonpartisan. He doesn't want to say anything. Yeah, uh, Anyway, he's thinking about it. He's a good boy. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Um, if you like the show, uh, go ahead and give us a like. And if you're on Twitch, give us a follow. We are one follower away from uh, hitting the our affiliate status, and that is huge for us. Um, so if you're on Twitch, uh, please give us a follow if you haven't already. Greatly appreciated. Um, I did eventually get the stream working on YouTube, by the way. Um, oh. So we got part of the stream up on YouTube. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the part of the stream is up on YouTube. I had The workaround did work. I just uh, didn't have it set to public. So I did make it set to public around the, like three minute mark. Um, oh, okay. So, so, so we are live on YouTube then. Yes, we are live on YouTube. Okay. Um, also, so we've got more content coming out this week. Um, some more, another draft episode of Draft Mode. We've got um, Pat Plays. And also definitely check out our very first episode of our 10 minute policy breakdown. We dive into the international corporate minimum tax rate that we talked about tonight. It's actually pretty good. Not you know not to, not to toot my own horn, but I, I like it a lot. So um, I think it's, I think it's most likely one of the worst videos. I'm just kidding. It's really really well produced. Uh, the editor did a great job. That which wasn't me actually surprisingly. I edited all of, every other video is edited by me, but this one was actually not edited by me. Yeah. Uh, what what episode are you going to cover? True national shop of the pressure. Huh? What? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know how to research that. Um, yeah, but, well, yeah, thank you guys for watching. Um, we'll be back Friday night at 7 o'clock. Um, I'm not going to tease a topic yet because I haven't, we haven't figured it out, but we'll figure it out by then. So <laughs> I'll see you guys Friday night. Do this episode, and yes. hopefully this day won't close us down, but again. We but. could. All right. Y'all have a good All night. Right.